This episode of Market Foolery is brought to you by Molecule. Molecule is reimagining the future of clean air, starting with the air purifier. For $75 off your first order, visit molecule.com and enter the promo code FOOL75. That's M O L E K U L E.com. Use promo code FOOL75. It's Monday, April 22nd. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today, Seth Jason. Thanks for being here. This is fun. I'm glad. We're back. We took a couple of days off last we week. We all had some time off. Spring break. We did some hiking. We did some hiking. We did. Uh, we did you were in the, the. I was in the New the Mexico. New Mexico. And the New Mexico is fantastic, and everyone should go there. Yeah, I was in the New York, so it was the opposite experience, but it was also fantastic, and everyone should go there. I think everybody already is in New York City. That's true, and they were all taking selfies the entire time to watch people try to smile. Do you know the scene in How to Train Your Dragon where the dragon like smiles like a dog? Teaches himself how to smile. That's everybody trying to get a selfie. <laughs> We're going to dip into the full mailbag. We got to start with the big tech news of the day, and uh, for uh, this requires a little bit of background. On Wednesday, Samsung was planning an event in Shanghai to unveil its new Galaxy Fold smartphone, and the Fold means what you think it means. This is the foldable display phone. That was going to be on Wednesday. It was going to be on sale on Friday. And today, Samsung announced it is postponing the event. The company actually didn't say why they were postponing it. But I think for anyone who has seen the early reviews, because of course, Samsung, like any consumer tech company, got the product out early to some to tech the, reviewers. To the influencers. Everyone envision my air quotes. Influencers. Well, I think these are like they're, Joanna Stern. They're what we used to call tech reviewers. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think Joanna Stern, for one, at the Wall yeah. Street Journal, uh, did, some, a, did yeah. a very entertaining and illuminating video. Um, and the, the reviewers, it didn't go well. And so they are postponing this yeah. event and the launch of this phone, and it seems like for really good reasons. It did, and it didn't. The Verge had a great uh, long video, and the reviewer said this, uh, and, and his phone broke. His the screen broke on his, and so the the story. Yeah, just the to be clear, scandal is that the screen. Uh, is breaking, which is something. As a guy who builds things for a living, I was like, "You're going to try to make a screen fold? Like, I, you take a piece of leather or a piece of like uh, nylon webbing, and you fold it enough times, it starts to get broken. It's going to wear know, out. I don't know how you can build a screen that won't. They must think they have. Unfortunately, there's four high uh, high visibility reviewers who's broke. Two of them, as far as I know, like peeled off this protective layer you're not supposed to peel off. It's an anti-scratch layer, because the screen itself is plastic, not glass, I guess. And in doing so, they probably like busted up the electronics underneath it and it went bad. But others didn't peel that off and it still went bad. And so there, you know, there are a few of these units, a handful, but of course on the tweeter, that that equates to everything. So it's it's a big problem because everybody's worried, especially because it's a two thousand dollar phone. That said, the they got the Verge actually said, I really like this, even though there's a whole bunch of stuff I don't like. He said he, he really liked the the unit anyway because well there, there were various reasons. It's it's worth going through. Um, Casey Neistat on he's a is a YouTube guy right does drones and phones and stuff. He really kind of liked it too. Um, Looking at it, I was expecting to scoff. I'm a scoffer, but you are. I'm a scoffer, but I think when the tech is better and if they can get these screens not to break, 
it will actually take a lot of the tablet market because you know people are carrying on tablets and phones because they're really two different use cases. If you can get that screen a little bit bigger, you probably don't need the tablet. Everybody said, you know, yeah, there's a visible crease, but you don't really care about that after a while. And the crease isn't isn't worn, and it's it's just there, and it's probably always going to be there. My prediction. Apple does a little bit better job with this in the near future, and it becomes the thing, which would probably kill a lot of the iPad sales. But maybe tablets deserve to die. Maybe we just need phones that have foldable screens. Yeah, it really does seem like Samsung is onto something here. They are absolutely not there yet. Yeah. And as you said, they're asking people to pay two thousand dollars for this thing now. If you and it's like the thickness of two phones plus a little airspace when it's folded. So it's I mean it's a big chunk. It weighs twice as much as a phone. It is not there yet, but I think they will get there. But to your point of what it might do to the tablet market, if you if you look at this and say to yourself, well, I was thinking about buying a new phone and a new tablet. That gets you you know if you're buying top of the line, that gets you somewhere in the neighborhood of you know fifteen hundred. Seventeen hundred dollars, so you can justify the price, but only if it works. Yeah, I mean, it's you really have to be confident that this is going to work. I think they're going to have to come out with a big splash, like a big deal, like we'll replace these things if they wear out. They said it was good for I don't know how many hundred thousand openings and closings, which is only like five years and a hundred openings a day. People are going to do more than that. It's, I mean, I'm astounded that the thing. I'm astounded that they thought they could release this because, again, as a guy who builds things like bicycles. And worries about things bending a little bit over and over again and eventually breaking. It's astounding to me that you could build a flexible screen that would work at all. That you know that you could open ten times and it wouldn't break. And a little bit of this, and only a little bit of this for Samsung, is a communications problem because, as you said, they've got this protective layer on top that yeah. people naturally started to peel off because yeah. if you buy any other device from. Samsung or Apple, you know, they usually come with this very, very thin layer of plastic that you, you know, is protective. You peel that off, and so they didn't go out of their way to tell the reviewers, "Oh, by the way, this thing that we know you're used to pulling off, don't touch it." Yeah, well, and it should have been clear because it was really hard to pull off. And some of the reviewers said, "Like I started pulling on this, and then it became clear this was a no-no." But you know, the screen itself being plastic and flexible, there are going to be people who won't like it because it is going to get dinged, and those dings are not going to go away, and and that's going to be something that people will not, some people will not be able to get over, especially for two grand. It'll be an interesting thing to watch, not just how Samsung retools this, reboots it, and eventually launches it, but also to see the response from Apple. Because I think you're right. Like if the Apple folks aren't already working on this. They probably if they were not already working on this, they probably are now. I think if someone gets this more reliable, thins the sides down, I think it there's a there's a very good use case for it in the future, and then the prices, of course, will drop like crazy. I mean, how long ago I I bought a TV for three hundred bucks a month ago or something, and it's like the size of my wall. I remember when those didn't exist, and then I remember when they were two grand, and now they're cheaper than your phone. They're cheaper than like a phone at Cricket. That's, that's not, what happens. Not that we're picking on cricket. No, that's what I've got. I'm a cheapskate. <laughs> but, but I think my phone costs more than my TV. Our email address is marketfoolery at fool.com. Question from Scott Saracuscano. Uh, Sorry, Scott. Sorry, Scott. Scott. Totally blew Scott your Scott with name. a last name that we're not smart enough to say. There you go. Say. Third time is a charm. Scott Saracuscano. Is, it, is uh, it Italian? 
It seems to be. Is that first letter C with an I after it? No, it's an S-I-R. Okay. Let's get to the question. Scott writes, I'm 25 and very new to the investing world, and have felt somewhat lost in which direction I want to take my portfolio. Let me just pause right there and say, hey, that's just great that you're 25 and starting your investing journey, so kudos to you. Start with some index funds. Um, There's a specific stock, Twilio, that has a very high valuation, and Mm -hmm. I hear words of a bubble popping. However, I like the idea of a new company showing a lot of strength and taking people by surprise. They have a very strong outlook, and their potential for growth with their super network gives me a positive outlook despite all of the bears. Even if a stock is considered overvalued, is it still worth investing in if you see long-term growth with the risk of a significant pullback? Or should I wait slash hope for another dip and buy in on that? I don't want to miss the train, but I also don't want to make an impulsive purchase. Any help would be appreciated. Keep doing amazing things, guys. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Scott. Great what, question. What an excellent one. 25? Yes. Well, that sounds a lot smarter and wiser than 25, recognizing that the impulse to get on the train is really is really dangerous. Uh, I own I own this stock, despite those high looking valuations. Um, so a lot of this depends on how much money you've got, how much money you're willing to put in, where the rest of your money is, what's your risk tolerance, what's your timeline. Uh, I believe that if you are looking for high growth companies like this, and you can tolerate uh, some some major ups and downs. I don't think this is this kind of a stock that becomes a zero at any point, but I definitely think it'll fly fly around. I mean, we're trading at like 15 times revenues or something right now. Right now, um, this this stock is going to be a wild ride. I own it because the more I looked into it, and I'm not an expert, but the more I looked into it, the more it looked like a kind of a mini next generation AT and T, if you will. That they were. They made things so easy for developers that, that that's how their technology is being embedded in so many other platforms. That they are kind of becoming a default. The, the you know the the Google, if you will, or the Kleenex, if you will, something along those lines. And to me, that's very powerful. And companies like that, if you have the risk tolerance and the capital. I think are always worth owning a little bit of. As for waiting for a dip, I have learned over the years not to do that. I have, I have waited for dips on Netflix, waited for dips on Amazon when they didn't come. Then I forgot to buy at what you know was you know 15 times smaller valuation than it is now. So if you like what a company's doing and you have the risk tolerance, buy a little, and then watch. That that is my that's that's what I tell everybody. That's what I do myself. I can't give. Individual, individual advice, but that I think is a good strategy. Yeah, along those lines of waiting for a dip, I have also learned over time through painful experience, not that painful, but painful enough that uh, I never want to fall in love with the price. Because any time in the past when I have been quote unquote waiting for a dip, I have put a price tag on what I think that dip should be. Mm-hmm. And I've been in the situation where it's like, well, the the price has fallen, but it hasn't fallen to where I think I should buy it, and it's and then it ends up rising and never stops rising, and I miss the boat. Yeah, and I have a, I have I've recently started owning more stocks. I think I own more than sixty stocks now. That that works for me. One thing I like about it, I've, I've always got something doing well. If I've got something in the in the crapper, as we say, it doesn't bug me that much because I've got so many other stocks. So I mean, a lot of this will depend on your overall strategy. Um, this is a small portion of my portfolio, as all of them have to be when I own that many. And I just find that that works for me. And 
he's 25 years old. He's got you got some time. Seven, don't bet it all years. now. Don't bet it all now. And the most important decision you can make is getting into getting into the right frame of mind, putting that money away, you know, every month. And one thing I do is just, you know, about half of my retirement stuff just still goes into index funds every month. And that way you you're saved from a lot of uh, stupid mistakes because it's on autopilot. Quick thanks to Molecule, which is reimagining the future of clean air, starting with the air purifier. Molecule's introduced a breakthrough science that is finally capable of destroying air pollutants at a molecular level. Their technology has been personally uh, effective and verified by science, but most importantly, it's been tested by real people, including, by the way, yours truly. Uh, Molecule has given allergy and asthma sufferers around the country an all-new experience. Though they've reinvented the air purifier, Molecule doesn't just collect air pollutants, it destroys them on a molecular level. I kind of like the violence inherent in what they're doing at Molecule. This includes viruses, bacteria, gaseous chemicals, and mold. When you turn on Molecule, you're creating the purest air possible, combating allergy season by destroying allergens in the home. And again, in my experience, you just breathe a whole lot easier. For $75 off your first order, visit Molecule.com and enter the promo code FOOL75. That's M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E.com and use the promo code FOOL75. Earnings season really heats up this week, and I'm curious whether it's one of the 60 stocks in your portfolio or just an industry. I'm curious what you're going to be watching this earnings season. I think I'm looking mostly at probably sort of consumer-facing companies to see uh, to see what the state of the consumer is. Sometimes I wonder if everyone isn't all stuffed out. Does everyone have enough stuff? I feel like I've got enough stuff. I hope it's just me for the sake of my stocks. I'm interested in that. I'm interested in seeing what happens to earnings as we lap these tax cuts uh, that that buoyed corporate earnings uh, last year. And just you know, we were walking down the street in New York. We walked into Lululemon. They had a that's a high priced looking stock, but doing amazing things, still selling a lot of product, and margins are getting better. And so I stopped in and I felt the material, as they say on Seinfeld. And it was sort of easy to see why the gross margins, the merchandise margins, are holding up well or even getting better, because they you could see that they were using these really lightweight fabrics where instead of being sewn, they were like folded over and fused, and. That might sound like a cheaper way of doing it, and and I suspect it probably is in terms of price. But it also makes the fabric lighter. It makes it less likely to chafe, which is something Chris and I know a lot about. We'd Oof. probably pay a lot of money for less chafing. And I looked at this stuff and I said, this is why the I could see why the margins were getting better, uh, right there. So once in a while, going to the store is is more than more than just fandom. You can actually learn. What's going on behind the numbers? So I'm interested to see what happens at Lulu and see if, if they can continue with that trajectory. Next Sunday is the GW Parkway Classic 10 miler, and that won't even you won't even begin to chafe. Not you, marathoner. Right, right now though, I don't know. The weather's looking pretty warm. It's I got to, I got to be, uh, I just got to be prepared. Be just got to be prepared. It's unfortunately, if it was, you got to wear the tight stuff. Tight stuff chafes less. Yeah, it's bad for everybody on the sidelines, but it's good for you. <laughs> I don't think anyone on the sidelines is necessarily watching me, so that's fine. I'll just I'll just chug along. Uh, thanks for being here. You're welcome. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Fuller. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.